Uh, we're in a series called The Ripple Effect. We're up to part 10, I think, and uh, we are in a little mini part within that, um, four sessions on the four themes of the gospel, the four parts of God's story. Today's number four, and uh, Rhiannon is going to read for us the reading for this morning. Good morning, church. This is a reading from Revelation chapters 21, verses 1 to 8, and then chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practiced magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just pause for a moment and pray. Lord God, these words we have just read are full of an incredible hope. And uh, whether we come here this morning with uh, an attitude and an experience of life that is full of hope or whether we come here this morning feeling hopeless and helpless. Uh, Lord, may your word this morning minister to our souls. May we know the true and wonderful hope of the new creation uh, as we sit with your holy word this morning. Lord, open our hearts and our ears and our minds to receive even something unexpected, Lord, uh, Lord, to not um, to to not put you in a box, to to allow you to minister to us, however you would want to do that this morning. 
And Lord, may the the words of my mouth, my mouth, and the meditation of our hearts, as we sit with you this morning, as we sit with your word, Lord, may it all be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Varega. Little slow off his mark. They're the fourth fastest man in the history. Holds the world junior record. He set that in Brussels last year when he won. Is that that personal best at 12.43.02? If you look at the all time, it's only uh, Bekele and Gebris Lassie and Daniel Komen are ahead of him. And they're all from a bygone era, frankly. Gebris went now coming to the bell. He's got 20 meters. Oh, no. Oh, he thought he'd reached the bell. He thought he'd reached the finish line. He's got a lap to go. I don't believe it. A man of his experience. He thought, he, I'll tell you what, he confused me, Steve, when he stopped. But no, Tim, how can he sprint on now? He was sprinting so hard down this home straight. I was thinking, how on earth is he doing that? Then all of a sudden he stopped. So, Kajelcha now in front. Kajelcha now strides home. He's going to finish, I think, a click under 13 minutes. But he's been closed down by Barrega. What an untidy race. What an enormous shame. Just outside 13 minutes. Barrega second. The rest of them come through. But an anti-climax last lap and a half there because of a spectacular misjudgment by Gebruet. Gebruet, with a lap to go, thinks he's won the race. The arms go up. He's miscounted. He's miscalculated. And for somebody of his experience... Well, that's inexcusable. Very, very surprising. He glanced around. He must have thought, goodness me, or words to that effect. You can probably make up a few of your own. Have you ever done something, whether it be a project or uh, maybe you've fixed something or a competition, maybe a race? You get to the point where you think you've arrived, you think you've achieved what you set out to achieve, only to discover there's another lap or another page of instructions, or another hour of working at it, or a whole nother level to go, uh, and you realize, oh no, I'm not actually done yet. Uh, one example that comes to mind is uh, kids teaching their parents to play video games. Let me explain. Uh, what, uh, I don't know if you've seen this before, but you know the kids are spending all the time on um, let's say it's Super Mario. Everybody's into the M Super Mario movie at the moment. It's a bit nostalgic. And, um, uh, and, and the kids are spending too much time and the parents go, what all this is about? So the kids say, come, come, mum or dad, come, dad, come learn how to play. So dad gets on and realizes, oh, this is actually quite challenging. And he messes it up a few times, but eventually the kid gives some advice and, and then dad gets the hang of it and then he's really into it. And then dad, dad gets to the point and he finishes the level and he goes, I've I've done it. I've I've won. I've 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 conquered the game. And then the kid goes, "That's just the first level, Dad. There's like level two and three and four all the way to eight. Then there's a whole other world after that with a whole other heap of more levels. And then there's like a whole other version. And and they realize that oh, it's not even close to being finished. I think the Christian life is a little bit like this. We discover the beauty and the joy of knowing Christ, of receiving forgiveness of sins, of, of new life in Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit who connects us to the Father, helps us pray, helps us walk with God. We, we celebrated this last weekend. 
the redemption, the, the salvation, the reconciliation to God through the cross and the resurrection. And, and it's this incredible relief and joy and peace and beauty, whether that happens for you or happens for you over a period of time when you were younger or in a single moment of radical transformation like the Apostle Paul. Everyone's story is different. Everyone's story of how this happens is unique. But then after that, you begin realizing, hang on a minute, the world's still a mess. I thought Jesus' death and resurrection was putting right what went wrong. Uh, at the fall. Hang on a minute, my life is still a mess. I thought I'm a new creation now, and, and yet I'm still struggling with the secret and not-so-secret sins that I was struggling with before I became a Christian. Hang on a minute, relationships with people are still messy. I thought redemption, the third part of, of God's story after creation and fall, was about the reconciling of us to God and the reconciling with each other, mending the brokenness, peace and forgiveness. And by his stripes, we're healed, you know, and you begin to realize there's another lap to go here. We're not finished yet. I'm not a finished work yet. And of course, in that journey, then, if you have been walking with Jesus for a little while, you discover that sanctification is a thing, right? Sanctification, theological word for the ongoing and continuing process of the Spirit of God renewing our heart, renewing our mind, molding us to become more and more like Christ. And uh, we, we learn that we have been, on the one hand, justified by grace through faith, that means we've done nothing at all to be made righteous in the eyes of God. That's all the work of Jesus on the cross. But then, whilst we're justified, made right in the eyes of God completely, finished work, there's also sanctification. We're being sanctified as the Spirit works in our lives. If we respond to that, if we pursue a life of godliness and sit with the Scriptures and allow God to speak to us and to work on our hearts, Right, and this is painful stuff. Actually, I don't know who remembers the skit, the skits called God's Chisel. Anyone remember that? Where it's like you know God is forming us into a masterpiece, uh, but it's like a chisel. Like here, I just need to form you a bit more. Ow! Every time it ah, it hurts a little bit. God's making us new, but it, it's not without a bit of pain because stuff's got to be dealt with in our lives. Where's it all leading to, though? Because people are being, becoming Christians and, and then growing in godliness until the day they die for 2,000 years. And, and yeah, many Christians have left the place, the, the world a better place than when they found it. Many have left an amazing mark on the world um, as they follow Jesus. Uh, yet there's a constant tussle with the forces of evil and sin that continually fight against God's redeeming work. And so 2,000 years later, the world still remains in quite a pickle. So what's the real end of the line? Where, where does it all lead to in the end? And this is where the fourth and final part of God's story or God's good news comes in. We have been talking about how God created 
the world, created humanity out of an overflow of love pouring forth from the triune God, the Trinity. Uh, However, we walked away from God going our own way, trusting in ourselves and other things rather than God. And so we fell out of that relationship through the cross and the resurrection. He redeemed us. He restored the relationship that was broken and, and exchanged our sin and brokenness for his righteousness and healing. And now we know as we get to the end of the Bible, he's going to, the fourth theme, recreate all things. He's going to recreate all things. Yeah, next slide. Uh, you can look at all of the good that humans have the potential to do and think, okay, well, maybe one day if we all, if the church really thrives and the Spirit's work in us uh, continues and maybe maybe this good reforming and sanctifying work God's doing will overtake the rest and we humanity will recreate the world into the state it's meant to be again with the Spirit's help, that we will end up in this, this world with perfect harmony with God eventually. Uh, if we just give it a bit more time. But if 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus and Pentecost, if 2,000 years got us to a Russian war, American politics, TikTok, and chat GPT 4.0, if you don't know what that is, you'll soon find out. If that's where we are after 2,000 years, I don't much like the chances of where the next 2,000 years is going to get us. Is, are we really going to lead ourselves, even if it is led by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, are we really going to ourselves get to uh, heaven? I don't think so. So what's God going to do? Well, the last two chapters of the Bible, which we read from today, give us a pretty good idea. Now, there's hints all the way through the Bible as well. It's not just revelation. That's like the one uh, thing we have to hang this uh, head on with this. But um there's hints from you know all through the, like the Old Testament writings and and then the words of Jesus. God's going to recreate the world and all things. Now that's different from just restoring something back to its original state. Uh, what God's going to do is that He's going to restore the Garden of Eden, the place where it all started, creation, and more. Uh, I. It's a return to the garden, but it's different. It's more. I would dare even say it's better. I mean, how do you make perfection better? In some strange way, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be even even more. Um, what we don't know is every single little detail about how it's all going to happen. If you want to read up on all the different theories on Jesus' return and the ways that Revelation and prophetic biblical books are interpreted, see me afterwards. I'll give you a list of 7,000 plus books you can do the research. I mean, it's an endless line of research. Like, you know, people have been talking about this, writing about this for millennia. What is clear, though, about all of this is that Jesus is coming back. He's going to complete his work of recreation, a new heaven and a new earth, and that it's probably not what most people have in mind when they think about going to heaven for eternity. Uh, Jesus is going to raise the dead in Christ. We'll live with him on the earth, those who are in Christ. A new earth, yes, but, but still a physical reality. And it will be 
better. It will be better than anything you can possibly consider, whatever your version of heaven is. For me, it'll be better than sitting in a Melbourne coffee bar with no kids, sipping on a long Mac made by a barista with a man bun. That's heaven on earth for me. Don't judge me, (laughs) right? Whatever your version of bliss is to you, it doesn't compare to the how incredible the new creation, the recreated existence will be when Jesus comes back. Why? Because everything in this life as you know it that disappoints, that hurts, that tires you out, that, that frustrates or creates conflict in the new creation, it's all gone. And then most of all, why, why is it so much better? Because we will be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, shoulder-to-shoulder, nothing in the way between us and our Creator. Nothing, absolutely nothing getting in the way of that relationship. Revelation is simply uh, painting a picture of this, um, particularly in these last couple of chapters of which we, part of which we read. Um, of course, how do you describe in words that kind of beautiful heavenly future it's 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 impossible but there's a lot of imagery and there's a lot of words that are used to try and describe it um we know from what we've read today there'll be peace with god there'll be peace with one another and with the world that means a wholeness a reversing of the brokenness there'll be no more death sorrow weeping pain there'll be a closeness with god satisfied thirst um is a a, a image that's used which reminds me i need a little water, um, uh, safe community, light-filled life, no darkness and fear. It's described as a wedding celebration, a garden where the tree is healing the nations. The, the king is good and pure. The one we serve is, is, is good and loving in every way. It's a thriving city full of people. Uh, people can be trusted in this place. They won't harm you. It's multicultural. Creation isn't broken. Like all of these different images and things that uh, are in what we've, we've just read this morning. And who doesn't want all of this? Uh, maybe those who who have become their minds have been perverted to desire that which is evil and 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 sinful, but but the natural human longing is to desire all of what the new creation is. All these images, that's the wedding feast and celebration and lack of sin and breaking, all of this stuff. And it meets all the longings that arise from our story. That flows from God. So here's what we've been doing over these last three, four weeks. Out of God's story, that the good news that God is writing into the history of the world flows then what our story is. He created us out of an overflow of love, and this is what is meant to give us our identity. We fell. We, we walked away from God and it has created brokenness, which means we desire healing. Jesus came and redeemed us. Redemption means we can have security, that, that, that thing we long for when we try to trust that which would make us safe and secure, we have security in Christ because of the redemption. Um, and, and the new creation speaks to all of these themes of our story identity. We are God's child 
Christ's bride now in the new creation, citizens of the new Jerusalem, God's servants who reign with him. What an identity to have. The healing we need from our brokenness, death, sickness, pain, sin are no longer present. What an incredible holistic healing and security. We're at peace in the new creation with God through Christ. So there's no need for anything else to trust in. There's not even a need for a temple to mediate God's presence. Judgment has come and gone already. All of this means that if the final stage in God's story is that he's recreating everything, then the final chapter of our story here and now is hope. And this becomes now our story that flows from God's good news. We have identity in Christ. Our brokenness is being healed. We have security in Christ. And in Christ, we have a wonderful, great and secure hope for the future. God's story, our story. And having this hope ripples out and shapes the decisions we make in our lives. And it can ripple out to bring hope to others too. Uh, I said a, a few weeks ago, the good news or the gospel um, is, is only the gospel when all of this is together. What I mean by that is if, if we're sharing a message that's all about forgiveness of sin and healing from brokenness, uh, but there's no hope that all the things that are wrong will be made right again, that it ends at number three, then we'll get a lot of people profess faith in Jesus only to give up a year or two later because they realize actually in the end, Jesus didn't fix all my problems. If number three is the end of the story, come to Jesus, be forgiven of your sin, receive healing in him, and then that's, that's the good news. And then they go, well, one or two years in, there's still a lot of pickles in my, in my life. How many of you know someone who has walked away from Jesus? Put your hand up. How many, this one's a little more challenging. How many of you have thought about walking away from Jesus because it's too hard at some point in your life? I'm putting my hand up. Maybe maybe there's more just like, oh, well, I don't want to admit it. But right, if here's, here's what I want to say with that. If we don't understand this this element of the gospel, this part of God's story, there's a danger that we'll throw the rest of it out too. Because we made the assumption that Jesus' forgiveness and his redemption, his salvation by grace through faith would fix everything now. And it doesn't. That part is still coming. The fixing of everything. And maybe for you, you're a naturally positive, optimistic person. And so this, this hope in the future new creation, you're like, that's awesome. That's cool. But it's not like the most important thing for you because you're a pretty optimistic and you go, actually, I, I, you know, I'm, I think life's great. If that's you, awesome, brilliant, love your work. Personally, I need this hope, number four, every single day. And I don't want to try and be a sob story, but I, I I'll just say this, being a pastor sometimes feels like being a paramedic, a psychologist, a surgeon in the trauma ward, and a marriage therapist all rolled into one. Because everywhere, I just see brokenness, 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 brokenness. And that's just with redeemed people. 
that's just with Christians. I think the only difference, well, one of the main differences between Christians and those who don't identify as followers of Jesus is that our stuff is being brought into the light by the Spirit of Jesus to be dealt with, so it's more evident. But there's just as much stuff there. (laughs) There's just as much brokenness. And I see it all over the place in all different ways. And so for me personally, if I can't look to the future and see a day where Jesus comes and deals with it all once and for all, I got to be honest, I don't know if I'd be a Christian. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who has been breathed into me and breathed into you if you're a follower of Jesus, He is a, the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of this new creation. See, friends, you and this is what's wonderful about this element of the good news. You and I have more, far more than a hope and a prayer that what we read today in Revelation will come through. It's a certain hope because the beginning of it is already a reality in our lives and in history. Let me let me explain that. If if you can't feel today that 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 this is indeed true and absolutely a given if you think this is a a a picture of a possible future but in the end well we just got to wait and see nobody knows what's going to happen and hopefully it turns out to be true i want to pray today that the spirit of god in you who is the foretaste of the new creation would reveal to you that it is true and it is going to happen this this reality of of the new creation, God recreating, Revelation 21, 22. Uh, It's a hope, yes, but it's as good as done because it's already happened in Jesus. The risen Jesus, a documented historical fact, is the first of the new creation, a new body like the old but different. And now he has breathed his spirit, who is described as a foretaste of the new creation, into my life and into your life if Jesus is your Lord. And that is why we look at this and just know it's not just a hope and a prayer, so to speak. It's a secure, firm hope we have. So I wonder today, do you know someone who is in need of hope? Maybe you're in need of hope, but do you know someone around you as well who's in need of hope? Just like, uh, just like everyone's finding their identity in something. And that means that the gospel is relevant and is good news for everyone because here we can find our identity in the place we're meant to find our identity. God created you as a beloved son or daughter of his. Um, and just like everyone's got brokenness in some way, it's easy to see that. Uh, and, and, and everyone therefore desires healing. And just like everyone wants to be safe and secure and put their, because they put their trust in something and everyone puts their trust in something. In that same way, everyone is in need of hope. Everyone's hoping for something in some way. 
Now, whether you see that or hear that in the words of a friend or whether you sense that or whether you go, they, they seem to have, we, we sense this in different ways. But when you discover that, whenever you are with someone who doesn't have their hope in Christ and you go, they're, they're hoping in something or they're looking for hope, they say maybe, I just hope we can get out of this mess. I just hope she or he gets better. I, I really hope we'll see them again one day after they pass. These are opportunities to share the hope that you and I have. This is a series, after all, about evangelism, about sharing our faith and letting the gospel ripple out from our lives. And these are opportunities when we see a hope or a hopelessness in someone to say, hey, I actually believe there will be a day with no more pain, no more tears or death, and that this reality is possible for all of us. In fact, the hope or the, the desire for hope that people express in conversations with us, um, these may be the greatest opportunities we have to share the gospel. Yes, people express brokenness and the need for trust and something secure, and, but when they express a need for hope, that's a fantastic entry point to say, I, I really believe the world's going to be made right again. I really believe what, there is life after death. Maybe not quite like you'd assume, but uh, uh, I'm confident that heaven really is going to be amazing and there really is a clear way to be in on that. This is an opportunity. But what we then do is we connect that to the rest of the gospel story. God's recreation of the world and it's, and the secure hope we have in it, it's not the entire gospel on its own, is it? It's connected to the rest. And so we connect it to the rest when we're sharing with someone. I, I have a hope. Let me tell you why. <laughs> and then we go back. We share our confidence in the new creation that everything's going to be made right and perfect, but that there's a way in to that eternity. So to... it. To, talk, to illustrate that and to give us a way to think about that, let's go back to what we read in Revelation 21 earlier. So this is verse 7 and 8. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, this new creation, this recreated existence. And I will be their God, God speaking here, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Doesn't sound like particularly good news for some. Jesus isn't just coming back to renew the creation. He's coming back to save, yes, and to judge. And without going too deep into this, this is the right thing to do, the just thing to do. And we know it. If we see somebody murder, we believe, we know naturally that there should be justice served. It's natural to want justice. But this is where we then tie it back to the first three gospel themes. If we go next slide. Actually, we were all made for this perfect world, this closeness with God, because he created us to be his sons and daughters, walking, talking with him. Beauty, wonder, no pain, no death. But then we turned our back on him. All have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been disconnected from God because we went our own way and we walked away from him, even though he uh, perfectly loved us and loves us. And so we, 
are, because of our brokenness and the fall, we are the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers described in that passage. That's you and me. But, number three, Jesus came and exchanged your sin for my sin and my sin for his righteousness so that justice would be served and now we could enter into this new creation as God's children. And that, my friends, is the gospel. Here's how one author uh, puts it. Sorry, I didn't put this up on the, uh, the screen, but I read this a few weeks ago and just went, wow, what, a, what an incredible reality this is, this good news. Um, this is um, Dane Ortland. The sweep of the New Testament teaching is that it is the sun, S-U-N, of, of Christ's heart, not the clouds of my sin, that now defines me. When we are united to Christ, Christ's punishment at the cross becomes my punishment. In other words, the end time judgment that awaits all humans has for those in Christ already taken place. Let me say that again. The end time judgment that awaits all humans has for those in Christ already taken place. We who are in Christ no longer look to the future for judgment, but to the past at the cross. We see our punishment happening, all our sins being punished in Jesus, the love and restored you, the love and restored you, that loved and restored you, therefore trumps, outstrips, swallows up the unrestored you, not the other way around. And that is why we have a great and secure hope. Judgment does not await those who are in Christ in the future. Only God and his new, perfect, recreated world awaits us. What an amazing hope. And so I want to encourage us, how can we look for every opportunity to, to let that hope ripple out from our lives? You know, when someone talks about hope, needs hope, expresses hope, expresses a lack of hope, can we have the boldness to say, hey, let me tell you about the hope I have. And go from there. As we continue through this series on sharing our faith and evangelism, um, maybe you're thinking today, okay, look, I, I get it. We're supposed to share this good news with people. We're supposed to let God's work ripple out from our life. But maybe you feel broken. You feel too tired, too shy, too to sort of not good with people uh, or not good enough. That you're like, I've got my own stuff. Maybe you feel like I don't really have much to offer when it comes to sharing the good news. I don't really have much to offer when it comes to sharing faith with others. Maybe you sit sitting here, I have been sitting here going, oh, I barely understand this myself. I'm struggling to grow. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be any good at communicating it. And you feel like that runner in the video. You thought you had what it takes but you clearly messed up and now others are way ahead and you're just going, oh, what's the point now? If that's you, and there's probably many of us in that, in that place, I want to encourage you this morning. You don't have to be the winner. You don't have to be the fastest, the fittest, the best. And if you feel like you're broken, you're limping, or feel like you're flailing in this journey called discipleship and disciple-making, it's okay. All you've got to do is keep going, 
finish the race and make sure that other people know along the way there's always hope. I just want to pray this morning for those who might be feeling a little bit like that. Father, we, we thank you that you have saved us, you've justified us. Lord, that as far as God is concerned, because of the work of Jesus, we are perfect in your eyes. But we know, Lord God, that our experience of this life is not perfect and we long for a day when everything is made right again. Father, I pray that those who feel like they're limping along going, I just don't know how to do the rest of this life between now and eternity and that they feel uh, broken, limping, um, unable to do what others are doing. Lord, I pray that, that that image of the coach coming alongside, not just to help us like you, Holy Spirit, come and help us, but also shooing away all the others who are saying, no, 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 you can't do this, and say, yes, <laughs> yes, he can. Father, may your spirit come even now and fill your children as a foretaste of the new creation that we long for. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and invite you to come and minister to us even as we give glory to the name of Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, uh, would be alongside us in whatever we are going through, um, whatever we feel like we're struggling in, and in the journey, Lord, of being your witnesses to a broken and dying world. I pray this in Jesus' name.